before we get to our conversation with Kate and Liam of the Monogamish Marriage Podcast and Blog, we want to invite you to get bad with us. We have a full resort takeover week, January 6th through the 13th at Hedonism 2 in Jamaica called the Be Better at Being Badly. You know, we've got experts coming from three different continents to help you with everything from fitness and nutrition to how to be better in bed, how to navigate the world of consensual non-monogamy, and a host of other incredible guest speakers that are going to make this one of the most exciting weeks in the history of hedonism. If you're a newbie, this can be as mild or as wild of a week as you want it to be. But don't miss out. Go to NaughtyGym.com to book today. Hey guys, it's April and Scott with the Naughty Gym Show. And this is part two of our series, So You Want to Be a Swinger. And today we have Kate and Liam from the Monogamish Marriage blog and podcast. And we're going to talk to them today about how to broach the subject with your partner if you haven't already some boundaries that maybe you should put in place or maybe boundaries that you've broken. Um, and then some pros and cons of the lifestyle. So go ahead, Scott, where do we start? <laughs> well, we're going to start at a place that we're probably not going to spend much time on because it's a, an incredibly difficult question to answer. And I'm not sure that there's any really good answer to the question, but we're going to start there because Often we get messages and it tends to come from men asking, how do I bring this topic up, this subject up to my wife, my partner? Uh, and even worse, sometimes we get questions like, how do I convince my wife or partner to be interested in non-monogamy? Um, and that is an important first step. Uh, and we're going to ask you guys your opinion about what you would tell somebody that asked you that question. Uh, but it's a tough question. Yeah. It's like that that desire for magic. You must see it in the fitness business where people say, how can I lose 20 pounds by bikini season? Mm -hmm. And you want to be hopeful and positive, but part of you must be saying, that's not going to happen. It's probably not even healthy. Yeah. And so I think often behind that is just this desire. Like, I know it can't happen. I know my wife or I know my husband, but... I want to believe someone somewhere actually knows the answer. Having said that, I'm not negative on the topic because I've seen things that are downright miraculous happen between couples. So I believe there are things that can be done. Yeah, so I think it's best not to launch right in with, I think we should open up our marriage. I think the conversations need to be much more gradual. You shouldn't jump in the deep end. You should put one toe in the water. Um, so maybe, you know, reading a book like Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. She's not specifically a proponent of open marriages, but she does talk a lot about how maintaining desire in the long term for couples is going to be very challenging and how you need to introduce novelty and see your partner in a new way. So that kind of just gradual introduction of the topic of how are we going to keep this marriage fresh for the next 30 years um, is probably a good place to start. And then as Mickey and Mallory said, you know, listen to podcasts, consume content from, you know, people who are in this space, who are either into swinging or polyamory or open relationships in other kinds of ways. So um, listen to podcasts, talk about other people's experiences, and um, don't make it about you and your marriage immediately make it about other people and the theoretical um, concepts that you might 
have to deal with down the road. Um, but I think it's less threatening if you're talking about other people rather than talking about yourselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, I know we've had several messages from one spouse that they've already gotten to a point in their marriage where there's a lot of damage in their marriage. And so they're just looking and grasping at anything to kind of save it or make them want to stay. And we refer them a lot of times to expansive connection because there are professional therapists that can help you navigate the problems that you're having in your marriage. And then if that's something that they think your marriage is healthy enough to handle, then they can help you navigate that conversation as well. Yeah. And for us, we're more, none of us are professionals in that sense. We're more street level performers, I guess. (laughs) Uh, And really the only thing that I think that we can offer people that ask that question is what worked for us and maybe what we've heard has worked for other people, but it's important that that person knows that if they take our advice or an example from another couple and try to use it, there is at least a good chance that that backfires. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. You have to be prepared that no matter how you approach this subject to your spouse or partner, that it has that potential to backfire and cause some real problems right away. Um, Yeah. I think there's also an issue that's kind of very ground level in relationships, which is, are there things that cannot be said in your relationship? And so often those people writing to you, writing to us are saying, there's this thing I want to mention and it's been communicated to me, maybe very subtly, but over years and years, that this subject cannot be broached. And I think a lot of times that's because there is a fear that there is a fault line in the relationship that cannot be repaired. And I think people have to do some work as a couple to say there should not be something that cannot be said, but there also should not be ultimatums in our relationship. And navigating those issues, that's way before anyone touches anyone who's not their partner. But those are basic relationship fundamentals. And I think we've all seen so many couples where you know that's the reality of their relationship. They are getting by on a certain level of denial. Yeah. But we're negative here and, and imagining all of these couples have problems. If you get to a stage with your partner where you've had those theoretical conversations and they're receptive, um, the next thing I recommend is take a vacation to somewhere like Desire or Hedonism, but promise you are not going to touch anyone else. Mm-hmm. And say, we're going to go to Jamaica. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have some sun and sand and um, you know, great food and adventures. And we're going to maybe get naked on the beach. We'll see how that feels. But we're not touching anyone. Don't be scared. Um, and just kind of take that step together. And who doesn't love a good Caribbean vacation? Right. Um, and if that feels good and you have some conversations with people who are actually living this life, you're going to take a lot of the stigma and fear out of the idea of opening your marriage. Because these are just normal, nice people who are you know, on the same kind of path you are. So that's what, that's what I advise as a first, if you can do it. Yeah. And I think that is key. Having those conversations with people who are living that life, have done it, navigated it already. And 
we've not run into anybody yet in this journey that has said, no, I don't want to share my story with you. And we ask everyone we meet, <laughs> tell us how you started. How did you navigate this? What were, what are your problems? What were, you know, some pitfalls that you, and everybody is more than happy to share. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I think that uh, it's probably safe to say that if you're terrified of bringing this subject up to your partner, it may not be the right time to bring it up. If your relationship is um, has, as you mentioned, some fault lines in it that would make you scared to bring this topic out, work on those first. And then when you feel like you've got that kind of stuff smoothed out, maybe this is maybe then could be the time that you start talking about extracurricular activities. But uh, yeah, it's just a very personal journey and it's going to be different for everybody. And there's no surefire phrase that we could give somebody to pitch to their spouse or partner that's going to allow them to hear this question and accept it with open arms. So I don't know that that's any help to anybody, (laughs) but we weren't, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that uh, because you're really going to have to figure that out for yourself. And if you get an answer that is no, does that mean that it's the end of this, uh, of hope? for you to ever experience consensual non-monogamy with your partner, if they say no the first time. Well, advice that we heard from the aforementioned Catherine at Expansive Connection is just looking at ways of communicating that no. So now you're the person who's asking. So if the person says no, making the case that, you know, there are other answers besides yes and no to this question. So her her preference is no, but I can't do this, but I can do that. Now I get as the person who's asking, you're now going to suggest to the person who's feeling threatened that they take a different approach. But I think it's a conversation again, that has to happen in a relationship anyway. And you may find that as a person who's asking for something and receiving something of a negative response, well, there's something that your partner has also asked of you and it may not be in the sexual or lifestyle realm at all. But you can say, you know what, let's both endeavor to do this together because I need to be more open about seeing your parents more often or I need to be more open about helping with the kids or whatever it happens to be. And now you're making this a journey that you're going to take together as opposed to something that one person who feels very strongly is asking another person who feels strongly but oppositely. Right. Yeah, so using the not this, but that tool, um, you could say, well, I'm not ready to go to hedonism for a week, but I could go to a club for one night and have the same rule. I'm not going to touch anyone or not swinging, but maybe a nude beach or maybe, I don't know, maybe we watch porn together and, and we role play a hot wife situation. I don't know. Um, so try to use the not this, but but that compromise tool rather than just hard no, shut down the conversation. And then you'll find that, you know, you're both willing to kind of come toward the middle and find something maybe that's exciting and novel for both of you in that middle place. Well, let's assume that the answer is some version of a yes, that um, it's received with a maybe a a receptive spirit and you get some variation of a yes or well let's talk about it or maybe something like that what 
every couple then has to do at some point, if they're going to try to move forward in this journey, is to set some form of rule sheet, boundaries, guardrails, things that to, to outline very specifically the things that they feel like they might be comfortable with and are willing to try and the things that they feel comfortable that they're willing to let their spouse or see their spouse or partner also try. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume you guys did the exact same thing we did and, and tried your best to lay out some <laughs> rules to start with. Um, yeah. We didn't have any rules. <laughs> oh, but we developed rules along the way for sure. Or maybe not rules, but maybe things that you are comfortable with and things that you aren't comfortable with. You discuss those ahead of time. You you guys didn't have that at the very outset. <laughs> well, our started our experience started so subtly, so that Kate was having threesomes or uh, just girl girl sex with her best friend, and then said, "You know what? We'd like to include you in on that." So that was a very smooth transition. I didn't come in with guns a blazing, saying, "Wow, two mouths, two four breasts, <laughs> uh, everything times two. I was very just um, sort of respectful about it, I guess you would say. And that made a difference. But that that meant that our entrance, we were entering a lifestyle that we didn't even know was called the lifestyle and that there were other people who even did this kind of thing. So I think that's what Kate's getting at. Yeah, I think we we kind of had um, new boundaries for each new step. So... Um, at first, when we started um, doing the couples dating online, our agreement was we would only play in the same room. And um, at first, it was just soft swap. And then eventually, we we did full swap. So um, I guess at, at each new stage or each new exploration, we had guidelines for how we wanted to start. Um, and then those guidelines shifted after we had the experience and we could process it and talk about, you know, this didn't make me feel good. Um, so maybe next time we should modify it and and try it this way. Or I felt totally comfortable with that. So now that we've seen each other um, play together for a while, now we can go to separate rooms at the same event. And um, so, yeah, so I guess we just kind of like modified and adjusted as we went. Yeah. Well, that's great. I don't think that's the most typical scenario. Would you agree that probably most couples, when they first have some sort of agreement that they're going to go to their first club or their first experience of any kind, they're going to create a set of rules, uh, things that they're comfortable with. I know we did, and ours was incredibly long. It should have been put on a scroll. <laughs> it's like a Santa scroll. Uh, but ours was more of a spoken list of rules that matched the way you guys started. Yeah. It was really like the only thing we felt both of us were comfortable starting with was uh, a female, female, male threesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if that involved another couple, then the guys would not be allowed to touch the opposite female. Only the right. females could play together and the guys could obviously could play with their own partner right. or spouse, but not the other couple. Right. But what happens is that, you have this situation where the thing that you did not foresee comes up. So I remember very early on, we had a party and I really connected in an outrageously uncharacteristic way with a woman who was at the party. And so it escalated very, very slowly, which is the way I like it actually, a more organic, gradual approach. 
And so I got to the stage where it's time to have sex with her. And I just moved forward because we had assumed being at the party was mainly friends that were there that I felt I had kind of permission to just go with it. And it was very different for Kate. Yeah, because I didn't know any of this was happening. I was out in the backyard while he was inside, and I found out later that he had had this experience, and we hadn't had the conversation about separate play at that point. So I thought he should have at least come and found me and said, hey, this thing is about to happen with so-and-so. Is that okay with you? But he didn't feel like he wanted to break the magic of that moment and go find me, which is understandable, too. So that was our first um, point of conflict, I think, in the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The thing so that we did- did- I'm sorry. So obviously, you're still in lifestyle. So that wasn't like an end point. So how did you navigate that? We, we made a new rule for that situation. So that if it's a house party and... Um, and there happen to be people who we don't know well, just make sure your partner is aware. And if, um, if it's, if it's people that you know, well, then you don't have to check in because there would have been, I would guess 12 other women at that party with whom the same behavior would not have been a problem at all. But I had to pick the one where it just triggered feelings in Kate that were not pleasant. Well, and we've found that you can never have enough rules in place, but you always have too many rules in place, right? Like, so you can have a hundred rules and then something will happen that wasn't on that rule sheet that you weren't prepared for. And it's like, well, those other rules didn't matter because now we've run into this. And I think as long as you go into it, eyes wide open, knowing that you could never plan for what's going to happen. You can think in your head, okay, I'm going to this place and there's going to be six couples. And I'm going to play with one. And it's never going to go to plan or very rarely going to go to plan. So I think as long as you are open to that and know that there's no malicious intent behind anything that happens, um, as far as coming from your partner and you're able to communicate through that. Um, and talk transparently to your partner about it. Um, we've found anyways with us that it usually ends up being much smaller than it felt in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's just to piggyback on what she said, it is incredibly difficult and we tried our best to set a rule to cover every scenario we could imagine. <laughs> and and before we went to our first couple We're of like no donkeys, no midgets, no hair dryers, no oh, come on. You're taking all the fun out of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we we really felt confident going into our first couple of events that we had all the possibilities covered. If this happens, you're not going to do this. If this happens, you can do that. And the very first time we played with anybody, it just went Yeah. It didn't go the way we wanted it to, um, but, we handled it well. and, but yes, we left that experience and said, okay, what did we learn from this and what adjustments do we need to make going forward? And that has happened really in almost every lifestyle experience that we've had. We, we sort of have a, a meeting after it's over and assess whether or not we enjoyed it. If so, what about it was great. If not, you know, yeah. what was not great and how would we do it different the next time? Uh, and we've realized that as restrictive as our rules were at first, like you were talking about, Kate, that you're you're probably going to find out it was fun, that thing you were really worried about, and uh, and you'll be unsure looking back 
why you were ever scared of those things to begin with. Uh, because they're typically not that big a deal if if you both go into it with this spirit of adventure and kindness. And uh, so our our rules change. And that's the next thing we want to talk about is how you need to set those boundaries. You've got to have some rules that gives you the comfort to walk into uh, one of these events and feel confident that you and your partner can navigate it. But you also need to know that it's likely going to change and evolve. In fact, I'm not sure I know anybody who's ever set some initial boundaries for their journey and them not evolve at some point. Um, is that a has that been a difficult process for you guys? Because you know we've known each other really well for the past couple of years, and we've had some behind the scenes uh, conversations with you about your journey and ours. We know your yours has changed. You know ours has. Has that process been difficult? And should it always be difficult? Well, for a long time, I would say the first decade of us doing this, um, it wasn't too difficult. So, um, you know, you can set all of these boundaries and rules in place, but really you're walking into the unknown. So you're trying to plan for something you can't possibly understand until you're actually there. Um, So you have to you know, kind of imagine as best you can, how am I going to feel? And how can I accommodate that? But when you get into the moment, you never know what's going to feel great and what's going to trigger you. And, and undoubtedly, you will be triggered at some point, like this is going to poke on all of your attachment wounds, all of your childhood trauma. Um, It's all going to be revealed at some point on this journey. So for a long time, I think we, we just made small adjustments, We we would have little dust ups, as you guys would say, and, um, and just kind of talk it through. Often those drives home from a date or a party would be a little bit grindy, you know, where we'd be like, Ugh. um, but I think we'd very quickly get past that and get to the other side and feel like, okay, so this was a problem. We're going to adjust for it next time. And I don't think we hit any major roadblocks until just this past year where we went from having mostly casual sexual times with our friends um, to Liam wanting to have a more ongoing emotional relationship with another woman. Um, And so for me, as soon as we butted up against the love word, (laughs) I got scared and freaked out. Um, so most of the time they were small little speed bumps that we worked out, we worked through quickly. Um, but there was that one big one where we had to get a therapist involved and we really had to do a lot of internal work and, um, you know, work between us to get past it. So I don't know if that answered the question. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and our, ours has been similar, um, in that we started with the most basic type of, um, scenario that we were comfortable with and have slowly evolved over a seven year period now to where, you know, our last experiment is attempting to go uh, on separate dates, which has still not happened. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, we didn't do so well at that, but. No, uh, we did. We navigated well, it well. We just yeah. didn't go on a date yet. Yeah, we just ended up having to It's very new. We're only like a month in. Right. It's hard. Um, yeah. But it has opened a lot of dialogue. So I think we've communicated pretty well through this. Um, and it's been kind of an exciting journey. Uh, well, partly what you're finding along the way, too, is just the differences that you have. So, you know, 
uh, Kate loves being in a group sex situation and really flourishes there. And in my mind, I think what's not to like about that? That sounds fantastic. But the actuality of being in that situation doesn't work for me, which is why I started looking at separate dating as an option where I could really focus on one person and not two or four or six other people in the room. Not because there's anything wrong with that at all, but because it just did not, the evidence seemed to suggest that that didn't work for me. So now we're negotiating something. It's not just about a desire that I might have separate from Kate, but a desire to find my place of flourishing within non-monogamy. Because non-monogamy, we like to say, you know, monogamy is one thing. Non-monogamy isn't another thing. It's a thousand other things. There are so many different ways to do it. Yeah, I just want to give you both kudos, though, for how you have navigated it, because I know it was the hardest thing you've done in your marriage together, but you both took a deep dive and you got therapy with um, Catherine from Expansive Connection. And instead of allowing it to just tear you apart, you guys came together and have been have worked through it and uh We've heard on your podcast how emotionally difficult and draining, and I can't imagine um, how you both felt going through that, but you're still together and you're still in love and you're still having sex with other people and you're still, uh, you know, hopefully it's brought you closer. I think that it has, but I think you guys really navigated that and communicated that beautifully. Yeah. And those podcast episodes are in some ways incredibly difficult to listen to. But that's what makes them so good and so educational is because you guys had the courage to take that struggle uh, that you went through and put it out there for all of us to eavesdrop on and listen into. But I think that's also a testament. If you're not already a great communicator in your marriage, something like that would have tore a normal marriage apart. I say normal because I think that most marriages don't communicate the way that somebody in the lifestyle does. Um and so that that was um, amazing to go on that journey with you guys. Yeah, and and much like yours, I I, I would label the first eighty percent of our lifestyle journey, those first five six years, it's pretty smooth. I think it's still yeah, smooth. Yeah, I mean, and it is still smooth. But let me rephrase that. With, <laughs> without really any incident to speak yeah. of, uh, but then as we've, and I hate to use the word progress as if it's a continuum of not successful swinging all, all the way over to the successful side, because anywhere, anything you're comfortable with is, is successful. But uh, as we've continued to move our boundaries, it, it has gotten more difficult because we have taken increasingly more dramatic risks, um, at least for us. Because one of the things, as we've talked about the separate dating, she had said previously was that if I ever bring this up and I'm serious about it to you, uh, you should be very scared. That's how adamantly against separate dating we were. And uh, it was terrifying when she brought it up <laughs> because she had said that uh, previously. And just the process that we've gone through of trying to make it happen, of constructing some new rules and boundaries uh, for our uh, potential dates opened up so many different uh um, trauma points, like you mentioned, insecurities that I didn't know I had because I'd never really faced a situation in the lifestyle where I was 
the one that was insecure about whatever was going on. And all of a sudden, I felt like a little toddler boy that was jealous that his girlfriend in high school was talking to the football quarterback or something. And uh, yeah. those are insecurities and issues of mine that I would have never known about had we not continued to have the courage to take ever greater risks or bigger steps going forward. And I think you guys may have found the same thing. Well, let me just pause for a second to say I've become a fanatic for your separate dating video series. <laughs> so people who are watching this have already found your channel. And I encourage you, if you haven't watched those episodes, watch them. There have been three so far. I'm like hanging on <laughs> how this thing ends. I have no idea where the next episode is going. Because <laughs> you're doing the same thing that we did, which is you're sharing openly about a journey and it's open-ended. You do not, you're the actors in this drama and you don't know how it ends. Right. So all of that uncertainty, I think mirrors what a lot of people feel in the lifestyle. They, it's uncertain. They don't know where it's going, what the next step is gonna look like. And you're actually playing that in public, I think is super valuable. Yeah, well, and what, what we discovered and maybe what you have discovered a little bit is that this concept in theory is not that scary. So we've seen our partner have sex with other people and flirt with them and cuddle with them. And so sending them out in the, into the world to do that separate from you, it's not that different. But when it becomes a reality, when you're actually looking at another human across the table or texting with that human beside your partner, all of a sudden it feels different. <laughs> so for us, when we took it from theory, which was fine, to the actuality where there was a human attached to this date and the date was planned and it was going to happen, all of a sudden I felt for the first time in our relationship, holy shit, I am actually a jealous person. I didn't think I was. Because you were. You, you've been the least jealous human being yeah. on the face of the earth in all of our lifestyle. Yeah, same as yeah. <laughs> yeah. about it in theory is very different from practicing it in actuality. So be prepared for those moments where you have this revelation that you did not see coming and it's not always flattering or easy. Yeah. The best example for me just personally of that happening is as we were drawing close to these planned dates that we both had, uh, she had the opportunity to go have a pre-date meeting with the guy she was going to date with. And it was very uh, corralled in that she only had about 45 minutes because the she had to leave then to go to another appointment, which was then uh, connected to the next appointment where she had to come back to the gym and coach. There was no chance this thing could linger on past the time that it was supposed to last. Nothing could happen there in a public coffee shop. Uh, and when she brought it up to me, I said, of course, you know, I'm, I'm okay with you going out on a date with this man where sex is on the table. How could I possibly care that you're going to have coffee? And the minute she pulled out of the parking lot of our gym, those feelings that you mentioned, I started getting what felt like waves of nausea. I was like, what is happening to me? What is, what is the issue? And I ended up having to just go to uh, the pickleball courts by myself and serve pickleballs with nobody out there like the loneliest loser on the planet constantly checking my phone to see if she had left that Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, he went on his first separate date. I had to get high and I called you guys to have <laughs> call. I'm like, just distract me. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Rough. During that process, 
it seemed like uh, you really wanted to be okay with it. Yeah. You wanted, you wanted to be able to give him that freedom to go pursue that. And in the end, at least where it seems like you guys have landed for now, is that is not something that's currently on the table. So you well, guys. It is, it is on the table in a way. So that process that we talked about earlier, taking the rules, modifying them, coming up with new ones, always with a goal of moving forward as opposed to moving backwards. I think Kate has done an amazing job. So it is on the table differently than the way you two are approaching it, at least the way you're approaching it right now. But in an important way, she was able to get past very, very difficult feelings. Say, but I think I could do it in this way with these guardrails set up. Right. So it's yeah. again, that not this, but maybe that. Yeah. Right. I never want to say a hard no to anything. But I think you also do have, you should push yourself because all of this is tricky and new and you never know how you're going to respond until you're there. So I think if you're initially afraid, you should push past that fear to see what it actually feels like. Because often the reality is not as bad as you imagine. But when you're pushing yourself every time, so in the past year, Liam had seven separate experiences. If every time it's hard and every time there's, you know, a, a conflict between you and within yourself, there should come a point where you, you know, respect your experience and your feelings and say, right now, the way I'm feeling in, the, in, in this format is not working for me. And so we need to maybe regroup, you know, focus on rebuilding and reconnecting and fixing whatever has been um, broken by this experience. And then we'll come back to it with fresh energy and a stronger foundation. So nothing is off the table forever. Um, but right now, Liam has decided to take a bit of a break so that we can focus on making sure we're good before we restart this project. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great lesson because it's happened to us. Where well, a yes doesn't have to mean yes forever. You can say yes to a new experience and know that if this doesn't go well or both of us aren't still on board, we can still say no. We can still, you know, put it on the shelf, process it like you guys are doing, and then maybe go back to it when we both are in a better headspace. Yeah. And if things do kind of turn south for a period, like it did for you guys, there were some negative things associated with the separate dating stuff. Uh, for us, I made a misstep in one of our trips that we were on together and it caused some issues for us. It was okay for a time for us to just say, Hey, let's, let's put a pause on the playing with other people until we feel like we're back to being ourselves and we've processed this little misstep and and feel confident moving forward um and that was all her she said look i i feel some issues right now and i don't want to just continue on with the process uh and and just try to move through this i want to feel it i want to process it and i want to get to the other side and make sure it's not going to happen again so we had several months there where we weren't doing anything so in that situation uh, liam you mentioned always moving forward not moving back and it's probably okay for a period of time to move backwards backwards to a level that you know you're comfortable with in order to maybe help set the uh, groundwork for another step forward in the yeah. future. Yeah, well, it's almost like recognizing, this was something that I struggled with, but ultimately um, felt great peace about, is that 
I needed to respect the feelings that Kate was having without immediately jumping to defensiveness that, hey, I didn't mean anything wrong. In fact, this is going to be good for us. And there was nothing untoward in my hopes for this separate dating experiment. And just park all that stuff, which is so natural for me to do, to be self-justifying and just focus on, hey, this person who I love so much, who has done so much for me, really pushed herself to do some things. And she's got some bruises. And I need to respect that. And so it's not really taking a step backwards as it is consolidating. Just say, we need to pause here. Something has been accomplished at great cost. Not great cost to me, great cost to her. And I needed to do a better job and ultimately did of respecting what she had been through on my behalf. Why take additional steps forward? If you like you guys, you were doing it for 10 years. It was going pretty smooth. You're having fun. You were in that phase of your lifestyle journey when we met, I think. Um, And Mm -hmm. we've had that phase as well, where it just seemed to be kind of easy. If we just stay here, we're probably good. What is the purpose then of trying to move another step when it seems to involve all these potential problems and risks? So I'm happy with that. Um, I just want to see if you want to say something first. I the, There's always the recognition that what got us to this amazing place was a willingness to move beyond the comfortable, to move beyond the socially approved in terms of what a married couple should and shouldn't do. And so to turn that off at a certain point and say, hey, pushing, exploring, expanding has worked really well for us. How about we never do that again and just stay right where we are? And so there's partly a natural momentum that is who we are. That's what brought us together as a couple. We both left relationships where we were with great people who were very interested in not pushing themselves into the uncomfortable zone. So that's what drew us together. So in a way, staying where we would, where we had gotten to would not be being true to ourselves. So I think it's a part of it. We can't turn that off in ourselves. But at the same time, we had to, eventually, you are going to trip up if you keep doing that. And so being ready for it, and perhaps you with your series, us with our podcast, maybe help people to foresee that thing that seems to me inevitable. If you keep moving forward, eventually you're going to hit something uncomfortable. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have kept moving forward. What it means is you now have to respond to that in a positive, unentitled, generous spirited way. Right. I think the beauty of these relationships are that individually you're free. Your partner is giving you freedom to grow as an individual. And I know for me, what was part of the catalyst of taking the next step was I really was able to, within our relationship, find out exactly what it is I felt like I was missing in some of these connections and what my desires really were separate from what his desires were. And so I was able to communicate that with him without shame and go, this is kind of what I would like. This is what I feel like I'm missing in what we're doing right now. It's not feel, it's not feeling fulfilling. Um, not all the time, but some of the time. And I'd like to try something new. Would you be on board? (laughs) But I think that's part of self-growth is identifying what it is in you apart from your partner, separate from your partner. Um, And then 
having the freedom in your relationship to explore that. Yeah, you mentioned, um, Don, that you guys have, you know, these different optimal play scenarios. For you, it's more of a one-on-one, deeply connected, get to really drill down on that one person, pardon the pun. Uh, and, and, and for Kate, it's... I'm make you sure, it's drill down. And for Kate, we've seen her in her element so many times where she's just able to take a, take in a room full of people, also pardon the pun, uh, and, and, and have everybody having such a great time and you move so freely uh, yeah. among people. And that is a difficult thing to navigate because those couldn't be more opposite. Right. And then with us in this separate dating issue, it was an attempt to also try to bridge or put a Band-Aid or something over where we have some opposites. I love the flirty, touching and drawn out build up to play. It's my favorite part. I probably like that more than the play itself. If I had to pick one, I would certainly pick the flirting side over the sex side. And it's the one thing she least likes to watch me do. Right. She would much rather see me have sex in front of her with another woman than she would yeah. for me to sit snuggled up on the couch holding hands or something. Yeah. Never really right. yeah. um, and so <laughs> and so the separate dating was her way of saying, look, I, I want you to have that. I just don't like watching it. It doesn't feel good to me. So you could do that on your separate dating. And, yeah. Um, that wasn't the only reason, but that was part right. of it. Yeah. What was the biggest reason? Um well, they'll have to watch our three-part series for that. That's right. If you want to know April's biggest reason, go see part one of We Want to Date Separate People. So what if... For me, the imagination is way scarier than the reality. So watching Liam flirt with, snuggle with, have sex with someone... So not a problem because I'm there. I can feel the energy between them. I know him really well. I can see what's happening. But when he's off and I can't see it and I can't be in the room to experience it, that's when my imagination makes me crazy. Because then I then I go into, oh, well, they're probably falling in love and, you know, <laughs> like exchanging all these intimacies that he doesn't have with me. And so for me, the unknown is way, way, way worse. So I am opposite you, April, in this respect. Like I would rather see it in front of me than imagine it apart from me. Right, right. Which is a great lesson. There is no right or wrong way to do this stuff. We're yeah. all individuals. We're all different. And what works for us would not work for you guys and vice versa. And that's going to apply to any person new that's wanting to test this out. You have to just sit there with your partner and build a structure in place that feels right for you. And it is not going to look like anybody else. Yeah. yeah. There's no one. Well, I can say too that one thing that um, Kate making, uh, making possible for me to have those separate experiences with other women also allowed me to come back to those group sex experiences that she enjoys so much with a fresher outlook. Mm -hmm. So now if I say, okay, this doesn't have to be the only thing on the menu. There are these other times where I'm really being fed in a way that I want to. Well, now I can come into a foursome or a sixsome, which before just seemed all obligation and very little pleasure with a more open spirit to say, I'm going to enjoy what's here because I don't have to just subsist on what's available in these scenarios. So that was a benefit for me from 
from the hard work that Kate did? Well, what, so we always want to, we, we, we're going to finish each one of these 10 part series uh, interviews by asking the question at the end, what is the biggest piece of advice that you would give somebody who has never explored any type of consensual non-monogamy, but they want to try it? Is there a single piece of advice that you would say, here's one thing you need to make sure you do? Well, I mean, for me, it would be take baby steps. Just try one little thing that doesn't feel too scary. And then talk about it. And then take one little tiny step beyond that. And then talk about it. Don't jump straight into the deep end of full swap. um, Because, I don't know, I think that would be too shocking for most people and it would probably scare you out of the the whole thing. Um, so just take baby steps and communicate the shit out of every step. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I would say is to do what so many people have done. We've mentioned it earlier is just listen to podcasts, watch video series like uh, the naughty gym show and really get a sense of what's out there because so many people move into it. In fact, I think you did on an episode that we listened to, Scott, where you said, we're just going to find. You can't pause it. You'll just have to splice it. <laughs> His mom's here. Oh, <laughs> hi, mom. I was going, get out. She's <laughs> just standing right there. I'm like, we're in a meeting. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Does she drop by often? Holy shit, she just went out. <laughs> I hope I didn't make her upset. I was like, go, go, go. Oh. And she just threw this on us. Oh, goodness. Yeah, talk about a weird feeling right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and mom, I mean, she literally got two feet from us to hand wow. us an invitation to a graduation. <laughs> we weren't saying anything bad, though. No, I was listening because I heard her come in. And so I was listening, you know. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're talking about the gangbang at that. Point. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, Liam, uh, if you will, maybe just can you remember where you started? Maybe just start it over. For sure. I think that you need to listen to the resources that are out there. Watch the Naughty Jim show videos. Listen to our podcast. Listen to so many other great podcasts. We are not the only ones around, but I think. What you want to do is get an eye on the prize. So you spoke earlier, Scott, of saying on, on another video about your original goal was just to find the hottest people you can find and have sex with them and then on to the next ones. And you didn't have an idea what the ultimate prize was. We didn't have an idea what the ultimate prize is. But there are people who have been on this journey who will share that with you. And there are so many amazing things in terms of the breadth and quantity of human connections that you will make in this world, the increased honesty and solid foundation you will build within your relationship, the just expansion of your experience as a human being. I always think of this thing, most people have never seen another couple have sex. This very fundamental thing. We've seen people at work, we've seen them play sports, we've seen them drive their cars, We've never seen them have sex. And it is a mind-blowing, enlightening experience to see not what porn performers do, 
for what real human beings do. And it just opens up worlds of possibilities to you, sexual and otherwise. But that all comes from having a sense that when you face these challenges, there is something unbelievably amazing on the other side. And it's not, spoiler alert, the sex. The sex can be fantastic. There are so many other things. And it will help you commit to the path and work through the, those inevitable obstacles if you know what that is. And the only way to know is to talk to people who have been there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a pretty universal thing to say. Well, borderline universal to say that if somebody's been in the lifestyle for very long, uh, they're going to echo those words that it's not really about the sex. And that just seems so counterintuitive right. and unexplainable unless you've been there. But uh, after a while, it's really more about feeling that connection to other human beings in a more authentic way than you can ever do in the real world. Right. Yeah. And an acceptance. It's a beautiful journey. It really is. If navigated well with your partner. (laughs) It's not easy, but it's no harder than monogamy. Yeah. And can potentially be a lot more rewarding. Yes. All right. Well, guys, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I hope this is going to be helpful to some people that are looking to start maybe exploring non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy. And we thank you guys so much for your experience that you've uh, shared with people, not just today, but through your other podcast episodes. We encourage everybody to look up uh, the monogamous monogamous marriage podcast and blog. Yeah. Tell us, tell everybody where they can find you. Well, our website is a, it's a bit unwieldy. Naughty Jim sounds like compact compares to ours. It's the monogamish, M-O-N-O-G-A-M-I-S-H, marriage.com. <laughs> and that's our website that will take you to the blog articles and to the podcast. And you can also look up the podcast anywhere that you find them on Apple, Spotify, et cetera. What's your next, uh, what's your next big event? Where are you going next? We're going to podcast to Palooza um, Portland this afternoon. And then in two weeks, we are doing our first Sapio Tours tour. So that's our new travel brand um, to Crete in Greece. Nice. Spots available still for that? (laughs) There is even at this late hour, a spot available. Yeah. I wish we could make that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully we're going to talk you guys into coming to our trip to uh, hedonism in Jamaica in January. Well, we love hedonism and we love you too. And the idea <laughs> together is we are working day and night to make sure that we can. <laughs> Good. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. We love you both dearly. Yes. So. Love you guys. Thank you for your time today. Have fun in Portland. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye.